This is Dr. Mubeen Sayed with one more episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. The discussion today is very, very interesting. The discussion is actually a new study to move us forward on the exploration for is there virus, SARS-CoV-2, present in our tissues months after the acute infection. So that is a study. I'll give you a summary right now. The summary is that they have found, it is actually a case study, two women only. But it is not an anecdote because there is clinical data plus there is evidentiary data coming from the labs and the tissue cultures. But still, it cannot be used as a study. It can only provide us some direction to look into. So in this study, they found that one of the patients had viable, not the virus, viable RNA, spike protein, and nucleocapsid protein of the SARS-CoV-2 426 days later from the infection. And these proteins were found inside the cells and outside the cells. That is the interesting part. So previously we have done this discussion that it is possible that SARS-CoV-2 might be inside the cells for months after the infection but the one that is inside the cell is actually a defective SARS-CoV-2. It is not able to create a wrapping for it, an envelope for it. So it is not able to get out of the cell with that envelope and be a complete viable virus. It is just sitting inside the cell and piling up. It is replicating, but it is not able to get out. This study is the next step. It is showing that the RNA spike protein and N protein or nucleocapsid protein are inside the cell in the appendix, in the skin, even in the breast tissue, and after months and months of the infection. So that is a summary of it. There is a limitation of this study, and that limit is, number one, it is just two people's study. Secondly, the study is conducted in Singapore. The RNA analysis was done in the US. So they had to freeze the tissue, the skin tissue appendix, and from the other patient, the breast tissue, send it over to US, and so, in that freezing process, they are not sure if they could culture the virus. So, they are not able to say this was viable virus or not. So, this is a summary. Let's now go into some of the details of the study. It's a fascinating study. So, I have placed some of the excerpts from the article here before we go to my drawings and see them. First of all, they're saying here, so please keep in mind, there are two patients. They said RNA scope, that is the test that would determine or detect the RNA. RNA scope in situ hybridization, we detected viral RNA within both extracellular and intracellular spaces. That is very interesting. And I'll show you the pictures of this. Of the appendix, providing evidence of viral persistence for up to 426 days after symptoms onset. So let's do a thought experiment now before we read the rest of it. And if this question is in your mind that were these vaccinated or not, both of the patients became infected in 2020 March. So that was pre-vaccine time. Then the culture collection from one of the patients was in September 2020. That was also pre-vaccine time. And the other one was May 2021. That was post-vaccine time. But the article doesn't talk about her vaccination status. Okay, so back here. The thought experiment to do is the following. Imagine a cell has 
a SARS-CoV-2 in it. Now that SARS-CoV-2 replicates in the cell, increases in numbers, make more daughters, then eventually those daughters will develop an envelope and then they would all get out of the cell. Then they would be present between the cells, intracellular space, and then they would once again connect with AS2 and get into the next cell and then they would continue that way. Now imagine that the virus inside the cell is defective. And so it is not able to bring that envelope on it, create its envelope and get out. So it is just replicating inside the cell. Can that virus become the cause of producing RNA and spike protein and N protein that is outside of the cells? There is only one possibility and that is the virus within the cell continues to replicate so much that the cell bursts open. Although SARS-CoV-2 is not known to do that because of its envelope, it can just exit the cell. However, if that happens and the cell breaks and the virus comes out of it, if it is a damaged virus, then it cannot get into the next cell and it will be washed away and picked up by the immune cells and eaten up and cleared out. For sure, it cannot stay there for 426 days. So that is the interesting part for me. I called Dr. Paul Merrick this morning and we were discussing this as well. He's not yet convinced and neither I am convinced that there is viral persistence. This is probably the second study that we are seeing and it is a small study and they were not able to show the viable virus. But still, 426 days later, presence of the viral particles including the RNA is interesting. If we say that these were residual RNA, subgenomic RNA, that means smaller pieces of RNA, or the spike proteins or the N proteins, why were they hanging out in the cell for 426 days? What were these doing outside of the cell? Where were they coming from if this all was just viral pieces? That is an interesting thought. I would love to redo this experiment within the US so that fresh tissue can be seen to culture the virus. An answer can be provided. Okay, let's continue. This is the second patient. Breast tissue was obtained from the patient 175 days after symptoms onset. So this patient had the breast tissue resected in September of 2020. She is a patient of cancer, breast cancer, and so she was immunocompromised as well. So immunocompromised could have the virus for a longer period of time. But here is the interesting thing. This virus was in her breast tissue cells, outside of the cells, plus inside the immune cells in the breast tissue. That's very interesting. So, 175 days after symptoms onset, further to investigate the presence of viral antigens and RNA in non-GIT issue, what they did was they took her breast tissue, viral NP, nucleocapsid protein, and spike protein. So now nucleocapsid protein cannot come from a mRNA-type vaccine. It would only come maybe at all from a dead inactivated virus vaccine. So viral NP and spike protein, or it would come from the actual virus. And spike protein was detected and observed in the tumor-adjacent area. And I'll show you that as well. These viral antigens also co-localized with myeloid and macrophage markers. And that is CD68, which is macrophage, CD14, which is monocyte, CD206 macrophage, CD169 macrophage, various kind of macrophages. So not only in the tissue cells, but outside the tissue cells and in the immune cells. Extracellular space of the tissue, so viral RNA was also detected in the breast within both the extracellular space of the tissue 
and within cells. Similar to patient 1, the specificity of the used antibody was reported in our previous study. So that is one very interesting outcome. Here is an important thing now, and that is, they say, notably, so doing their, why is this study interesting? This is the first study, let's read from here. But let me give you an idea of what they're saying. They're saying this is the first ever study where they were able to show persistent or residual virus pieces or the virus in long COVID patients. We know in acute convalescent patient after the acute disease, there may be viral pieces sitting in there for some time. This is the first ever indicator of the viral presence or residual pieces of it present in long COVID patient. Both of these patients had GIT symptoms of long COVID months after the original infection. So, in a recent paper investigating the association between SARS-CoV-2 viral persistence and long COVID, patients negative for mucosal SARS-CoV-2 RNA, 30% in that study, it's a different study, 30% of the patients in that study did not have the viral RNA in their mucosal membranes, that is the, the wet surfaces, for example, the mouth, the nose, conjunctiva, uh, the GIT surfaces, uh, reproductive system surfaces, urethra. The patients who did not have the RNA in those surfaces, they also did not have long COVID symptoms. But the remaining 70% who had the viral RNA in the mucosal surfaces, out of those 70%, 65.5% were experiencing long COVID. And so why are they talking about this? They're saying these findings not only support the above notion of viral persistence in the GIT, but also additionally associates viral persistence with long COVID. And later in their article, they suggest that it is possible that GIT actually acts as a reservoir for the virus. And from there, the virus just continues to spread in the body. You would see here in this study, in the skin tissue found in the breast tissue as well. So here is the study. So before we look at the study and its graphics, let's just very quickly look at FLCCC. So this is COVID19criticalcare.com. And here, an important news as well, that there is a conference in October 14 to 16, actually 15 and 16, about the spike protein and the spike protein caused damage and how to manage that. I'm presenting in there as well. And here is the list of folks. You can click here. And if you have not registered, register. We would love to see you there. So with this, here is the study itself that I'm going to go over. Let's go over my drawings and then we'll see some graphs as well and pictures as well. So patient one, she had her skin tissue and appendix taken 426 days after her primary COVID infection. There was evidence of viral persistence on 5-6-2021 while she had the original infection, I believe somewhere in March 2020. And she had had the long COVID symptoms. Patient number two, patient of breast cancer, she was on immunosuppressing drugs so you can call her immunocompromised. That's what they called her in their article. She had the infection somewhere in March 2020 as well. Then in September 2020, she had a breast surgery done during which the tissue obtained was then used to see if there is viral RNA and protein and spike in there. And she also had long COVID symptoms for 163 days. The conclusion that they made before we continue, skin, breast tissue and GIT showed the presence of the virus. Immune suppressed patients can have the virus present in them for some time. That is not new. 
So this is possible that one of the patients who is immune suppressed may have it, but the other patient was healthy. GIT is the possible reservoir and it seems that SARS-CoV-2 directly targets macrophages as well. So this is interesting from one point of view. I had interviewed Dr. Paul Marek in the early days of the pandemic when he was putting together the MathPlus protocol. He was talking about macrophage activation syndrome. And here they are proving that it is possible that the macrophages are directly attacked by the virus. So we'll, we'll see more as the data evolves. Some details now. So the summaries are done. Details and the pictures. Case report number one. 7th March 2020, she became positive. Female, 44 years old. She had peritonitis and appendiceal lymphoid hyperplasia. When she presented with the original COVID infection, she had severe headache, fever, pharyngitis, nausea, choking, bronchospasm, dyspnea, anosmia, agusia, anosmia, loss of sense of smell, agusia, distaste or loss of sense of taste. But it's really flavor that is lost because the smell is lost. Not There is nothing wrong with the tastes. Expectoration, she had phlegm when she was coughing. Chills in the spinal cord, palatal petechiae. So if you open the mouth and look at the roof of the mouth, there were small petechial hemorrhages. That can happen when there is a small vessel vasculitis and inflammation of that area. She also had 8.5% weight loss. On 11 May 2020, she became PCR negative. March, she became positive. May, she became negative. PCR negative. One year later, May 2021, she came in with the presentation of nausea, loss of appetite, and abdominal pain. So that became a sign for the surgeons to say to think there is something going on in the abdomen. So they did an urgent exploratory laparotomy that is opened up the abdomen to see what may be going on. And normally when they open up the abdomen, they remove the appendix as well to make sure that this was not an appendix. And even if it is not, sometimes they just remove it for the future. She was PCR negative at that time. They took appendix tissue, appendix, and a biopsy of the lower legs skin. And they saw, number one, the lymphoid hyperplasia, that is the lymph tissue, that is the WBCs, the B cells and the T cells and such other cells, they were increased. Plus, check this out, superficial and deep perivascular dermatitis. So if this is skin and this is blood vessel in the center, perivascular is around the blood vessel. Dermatitis is the inflammation of the skin. So when the blood vessel was feeding or bringing nutrition to the skin, Around that blood vessel, there was skin inflammation. That meant that something was coming out of the blood vessel causing the inflammation. So inflammatory markers, for example, CRPs and others, but also maybe the virus. And they actually found the virus here. And it was next to the blood vessel, so that means it arrived there through the blood vessels. What they saw was, and this actually, this is a very important clinical point of view, this actually means that patients who develop skin reactions or skin burning, or small fiber neuropathy at the skin areas and develop paresthesias. They develop edema of the skin. They develop inflammation and redness of the skin. That all could actually be the viral infection of the small vessels. So this also plays into the thrombosis and the small vessel vasculitis, connecting it to the cardiovascular system issues. Okay, continuing. In the appendix, they saw the nucleocapsid protein was co-localized with, so here is the virus's nucleocapsid protein, these red dots are the nucleocapsid proteins, 
Nucleocapsid proteins are the ones that protect the genetic material of a virus or a bacterium. That protein was present and it was co-localized with macrophages and monocytes. It was next to them. Maybe it was directly targeting them. And the author said that in one of our previous studies, we had shown that the ACE2 monocyte, ACE2 positive and CD68 positive monocytes had the residual viral antigens. We saw this with Dr. Bruce Patterson's work as well, that there is S1 protein, he said, is hanging out in the monocyte. This team has actually shown more proteins in the monocytes. And not only that, now co-localized with monocyte and macrophages in various parts of the body and even the RNA. So they have progressed this idea of residual proteins further. They also saw in the skin macrophages, the NP protein, the nucleocapsid protein of the virus in the skin macrophages. That will make macrophages mad. So then they said, we had a question. Fine, we are seeing some spike protein and N protein. Do we actually see the viral RNA as well? And they saw that the viral RNA, even after 426 days later, was present inside the cells and between the cells as well. Inside the cell RNA, you could say, could be subgenomic RNA, smaller pieces of RNA, the bigger whole RNA. But outside the cells, it cannot, the RNA cannot sit outside the cells for 426 days. It will have to be produced somewhere and brought out. Either the cells were breaking down or the virus was being released and was here. If it is, it is possible that the cells, the virus is defective. It is sitting inside the cell and it is replicating and then burst open the cell and now it is the RNAs in the intracellular space. However, this RNA will be picked up by macrophages, monocytes and other immune cells and cleaned out. How will we produce more? If this virus is defective, how will it get into the next cell? So that is a mystery and they say that we are not able to tell you that it was a viable virus. So we can only contemplate, we cannot deterministically say one way or the other. Okay, second case. 14 March was the first infection, intense headache, upper stomach pain, nausea, diarrhea, myalgias, fatigue, PCR positive, 45 years of age, has ductal carcinoma patient, is ductal carcinoma patient to patient of the breast cancer. Her symptoms continue to worsen for two months. In both of these cases, there is one thing unique and that is the symptoms stayed and worsened for two months and then they became PCR negative and they still had GIT symptoms continuing. They became long haulers with GIT symptoms predominantly present. Then, on 1st September 2020, she had partial breast resection and margin control surgery. During that time, they took breast tissue as well. So, 175 days later, the breast tissue that was collected during the surgery showed the viral proteins, NPRNA spike, adjacent to the cancer cells and co-localized with the immune cells. RNA was also detected outside the cells and inside the cells. So, here is something that they then note. They say, Nevertheless, we believe that these two cases are the first to report detected viral antigen and or RNA in tissue of patients with long COVID. Long COVID is a key word here. Despite the lack of definitive consensus on the underlying pathophysiology of long COVID, emerging evidence suggests that long COVID is associated with gut dysbiosis. This is actually very, very interesting. So let's go with the author's conjecture for a second. This is a viable virus. 
persisting for 426 days afterwards. Gut is a reservoir. The question is, why is the gut a reservoir? And they're saying it is possible that the virus is causing gut dysbiosis. Dysbiosis, by definition, is a process in which the normal flora, normal flora are the bacteria and the pathogens that are in us and are normally present and some of them are good for us. That normal flora becomes disrupted and is converted to rather bad flora. For example, antibiotics can cause Clostridium difficile to become more prevalent and grow more. And now that is a dysbiosis. Some viruses can cause dysbiosis by infecting one type of bacteria, which may be a good type, and destroying it, opening up the space for the bad bacteria to overgrow and cause infections. So they think that even the gut flora is a participant in this issue. And then they say there is aberrant immune activation in response to residual virus. This is what I believe that Dr. Paul Merrick was the first one to start talking about it that there seems to be mass cell activation, uh, microphage activation syndrome, and we need to start working on that. That is with the math plus protocol time. So here they are saying an aberrant immune activation in response to residual virus. A growing body of evidence also suggests and supports the possibility that the GIT may serve as a SARS-CoV-2 reservoir in both convalescent and long COVID patients. And then I read this for you before, earlier, and then they say, here is a limitation that is important to keep in mind. Being a case report, there are limitations of our study. The study comprises a small n number of two patients and therefore, given their diagnosis, our findings likely do not reflect majority of long COVID patients. Fresh tissue and blood samples were not collected for the follow-up studies because they were sending the tissue to US. As a result, we were also unable to determine viral viability as the virus would be inevitably destroyed during tissue fixation for international transport. Tissue fixation is freezing it and kind of fixing it. Then they said a control group from maybe convalescent COVID patients would have been great as well, who were not long COVID. So then they say that despite all of this, they still believe that there is something going on that is worth researching. Now, with this, I want to show you the last part of this discussion today. I want to show you some of their pictures. So, if you see here, this is the picture from patient one. The top picture is the appendix, and this one is skin. In the appendix, if you look at the B here, there are multiple pictures here. The first picture is DAPI, that is their marker for cells and the proteins. Then the second one is CKEPCAM another marker, then CD45 marker, then COVID nucleoprotein marker, then CD68, the monocyte marker. And if you put them all together, these green dots here are the viral proteins and RNAs. And if you see here, they are everywhere. This is appendix. If you look at the second part, skin, this is the biopsy of the lower limb. What was the virus doing in the lower limb? This is a healthy patient who became long COVID. This is not a hospitalized patient. This is not a, a patient who, who is in ICU and have septicemia or sepsis or shock. This is a healthy patient relatively had long COVID. Look at the skin biopsy. DAPI, CKEPCAM, CD45, COVID and protein, monocytes. And if you put that all together, once again in perivascular area, do you see this concentration of the viral residual parts? So that is one. Then if you see here, 
with these arrows you can actually see that the viral proteins are present in RNA present outside of the cells and inside of the cells. Then here if you see the pictures for the patient number two a similar structure this is the breast tissue and then here is a co-located and inside and outside the cells protein markers and here you can see outside and then you can see inside the cell viral residual proteins NP spike and the RNA. So that is the discussion for today. What we are learning with this is that here is where we are. There was a study from China, it came out that GIT fecal matter had up to 59 days after the symptoms are over, the evidence of viral proteins. So GIT had the virus, either the residual parts, broken pieces or active pieces. But we all assumed, at least I assumed that these are just broken residual pieces shedding for a couple of months. Then the second study that is interesting, the next step up was, I think that study was also by the same researchers. That study was showing that defective virus, but able to replicate and grow inside the cells, that is present even up to 180 days. I remember discussing that study, we did that last week. And in that study, at least 90 days was very interesting. 180 days had an immunocompromised patient. But they actually had 230 days as well, which was also an immunocompromised patient. But their takeaway there was that defective virus may be sitting in the cells for a long time and replicating. Of course, that would cause inflammation. So long COVID-like symptoms will be there. This is the next step up. Extends the presence of these residual parts to 426 days. I think the study that we have to look for or do it together is the study to actually see viable virus after months in long COVID patients. So that is the discussion. Thank you very much for your time. I will see you next week. Bye for now.